0: They were
1: called nasties and they were nasty Some of the things that we've seen are so
2: horrific These films not only affect young people but I believe they affect adults as well
3: An extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it I have never seen the video, Mr.
1: I wouldn't I actually don't need to see what I know
2: is in that and welcome back to another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is season two, episode number nine. I'm one of your hosts on this show. And I know what you're thinking, Duncan. I mean, buddy, we support you. We love what you do. But there was no nasty Last month. And you're right, there wasn't. And that is on me, ladies and gents. That is on me and my hectic schedule. But guess what? You are getting two this month. So you fucking rein that neck in. Sit your ass down and enjoy this free fucking content, motherfucker. Hi, I'm Duncan McLeish, your host. Uh, Welcome to Doing the Nasty (laughs) Podcast, episode number nine. Joining me as always on season two is my co-host all the way over in Wyoming, which... I know what you're thinking. Sounds up like a made-up Narnia place, but no, it is real and it's in America, so God damn it, he is right and you're wrong. How are you doing, Mark Ball?
4: I'm, I'm doing good. Wyoming is made up. Don't come here. Uh, I mean, Duncan can come here, but the rest of you, stay the fuck away. Thank you. You, you stay You stay in your big cities where you're fucking all plague rats, apparently. <laughs>
0: Class.
4: yeah I, I, I was gonna make a, a really tasteless uh joke about the september episode being on an airplane and crashing into a building or something but uh we, we'll we'll, we'll forego that there's, there's enough terrible things going on our our, our president's got the rona so that's yeah fucking cool mm, yeah to, to keep up with the the the, the theme of the new episodes of doing the nasty always being what's what's the latest catastrophe well our president's got the rota yep He's in Walter Reed and they got him I'm sure pretty well on lockdown and my fucking tax paying dollars are uh, going to his health care <laughs> which is cool uh, uh, yeah. It's yeah, it's you know he's he's supposedly a billionaire and I, I can pay for his fucking healthcare, but God mm-hmm. knows he won't pay for mine. So
2: there's a reason uh, yeah. billionaires become billionaires, and it's because they are very thrifty with their money, Mark.
4: <laughs> yep, they, they know how to work the system and fuck the tax yeah. tax money. You know
2: they're they're not like you and I going out and buying copies of of movies for doing the nasty, <laughs> and then subsequently like movies that were unfinished like because we're gonna get to that because you went a bit you went a bit daft after the last episode you were like mafia massacre style i will have that and i will also have his other movie which was
4: uh gone with the pope which was like the the opposite of the latest catastrophe that was the 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 latest uh like greatest thing that's ever happened to me which was discovering A copy of fucking Gone with the Pope, which is Duke Mitchell's other unfinished movie, uh, which they, they did finish, and oh boy, man, yeah, if you if you thought Ma- Massacre Mafia style was weird, I, I cannot wait until you see Gone with the Pope, because it was like uh, a truckload more cocaine's worth of fucking craziness <laughs> above Massacre Mafia style. It's fucking insane it's it's exactly what it sounds like They fucking hatch a plot to well it's got like a weird like getting out of jail story at the beginning and then yeah of course it and does. Duke mitchell, Duke <laughs> mitchell and his buds hatch a plot to kidnap the pope and charge every christian a dollar to release him from ransom is it, it, it that that happens in that movie a lot of other sh- insane shit happens in that movie but yeah that they do they do kidnap the pope so uh, yeah I, I, I don't know what we're going to do with that but
2: oh it's a commentary point, has to be has to be a commentary has to be a movie uh, commentary it's, somewhere it's down the gonna line be
4: me, it's it's just going to be me pissing my pants for 90 <laughs> minutes basically <laughs> laughing until i hyperventilate but uh, yeah co- coming soon on that cuz we, we have to do it I, it's, it's it's oh it's, i'm so I'd never fucking even heard of either of those two movies until, like, we came to do this show, so I I feel like we owe it to the the ghost of Duke Mitchell to do a commentary (laughs) for God with the fucking Pope.
2: It's just the beauty of the the format of this show is there are, like, obviously there's going to be... It was the same when me and Andy went through the the first two tier lists. I mean, there was movies there that we knew, for sure, by reputation, um, and had seen, and then there was other movies that completely, you know, were, like... You know, new finds for me, which other people out there were like, I've been championing this movie for years. And I'm like, I can see why. I mean, the one that always kind of stood out to me for, not for goofiness or how the fuck is this a thing, uh, was Dead and Buried. Dead and Buried floored me the first time I saw it because it was like something right out of the Twilight Zone. And it still blows my mind that that movie actually was on the Nasty's list because it feels too well made. ...to be a kind of nasties movie. But yeah, this is the, the beauty of these these, uh, these run-throughs. In the case of this one, two movies I have never seen before in this episode. So up until up until this week, um, it was going to be a, a kind of first-time watch. I suppose we should tell the people what we're doing. We're doing a, a kind of very early Charles Band outing in Parasite. Not to be confused with uh, <laughs> Boone John Hose, Um Oscar winning Parasite please don't get those movies muddled yeah, up
4: not, not the good one
2: yeah not, not, well mm, I don't, mm, one's got Demi Moore <laughs> in it uh, so, as a, a lemon farmer but we'll get to that such a weird fucking choice um, and then we'll be following that up with the erotic rites of Frankenstein making his way to the arena weighing in a sexy, sleazy eurosploitation sex fucking orgy weight uh, it's Jess Franco making his appearance for the first time on season 2 it won't be the last I dare say he will be he'll pop up somewhere I, I'll be very surprised if this is the only Franco movie on the on the, <laughs> the tier three list, um, Did he and that movie on was
4: the, the, on the other two. Lists? Oh yeah,
2: he, he had um, at least one or two. I think at least one or two. The only one that springs to mind is Demon Hunter, um, which is like you have no idea <laughs> how fucking like you want to talk about finding gems of a movie and just going how does this exist? If memory serves, and I've watched so many, and this is the problem that memory serves a Demon Hunter movie has like this giant with kinda goggly eyes who throws people and when he throws them they, they do the Steve Austin six million dollar man sound. <laughs> like, it's fucking, it's like, I think it's a cannibal movie if memory serves. Um oh my it's God. it's delightfully bad. I mean to the point where I was just like this is what I will get to I have a like I have a, a horrible blind spot when it comes to my criticism towards Jess Franco I feel like I I feel like I constantly have to do an apology to her for him because I, I I there's something about his filmmaking that just re- and his filmmaking's bad <laughs> it just resonates really well with me so yeah that's the two movies we're covering this one we are like I say dropping two episodes this month to make up for the fact that to be honest summer was dominated with my other podcast and the summer series of which Mark more than held his weight there by doing essentially 20 movie reviews there and a massive almost five hour round table so that's kind of why a lot of these shows on this particular network have been shunted a week, week and a half out of schedule but we are going to endeavour this month to put us back on track so uh, yeah episode 10 should drop in or around the Halloween time. Um, you've been a busy guy though we were talking just before I hit record there and you have been partaking in a little festival experience from the comfort of your own chair. Remember when people used to moan about, you know, I, I really want to go and see that, but I, I just really wish that I could just slip in my own bed and sit in my own chair and all the rest. You got to do that. And I would hazard a guess that sometimes um, it doesn't always live up to the expectation. <laughs> like When you get what you want, it might not be the best thing. And sometimes sitting in a sweaty room... Surrounded by people of questionable personal um, <laughs> personal uh, health and hygiene, um, sometimes that's a better experience to take in festival movies. What say you? Uh,
4: yeah, there's there's definitely pros and cons to both. Uh, I think that really my biggest fucking gripe about it is all technical things. Mm like that I don't quite have good enough internet here to be able to stream movies in like really good resolution so it's it still kind of feels like you're watching a bootleg of these movies at home just because it's like it's buffering as good as it can but like you know there's still there's still limitations especially on busy nights when everybody's watching the same thing at the same time like so that's uh kind of my big gripe about it but yeah uh, technically I've, since we recorded last I, i've started and finished like two two film festivals because uh, tell your i'd had a couple of advanced screenings mm-hmm. uh the last couple weeks i got to see a movie called alone which is a really uh really kind of great cat and mouse it, it's like if ned flanders was a serial killer and like <laughs> captures this chick and Locks her in a cabin that it takes place in like Pacific Northwest, like Oregon Forest type stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. re- re- really solid. Uh, I also saw 12 Hour Shift, which is... Oh yeah,
2: that's the Angela Davis movie, isn't it?
4: Yeah, yeah. She plays like a nurse in a hospital where they're doing nefarious things. I, I won't spoil too much of it. Bria Grant, I think, is, is the director. I think it's her first movie that she's directed. Really?
2: Yeah, because she's yeah. in um, After Midnight, isn't she? And she's yep, yep. fucking great in After Midnight. So. Yeah, she's fantastic, and she directs the
4: absolute shit out of this movie. I would never have guessed that this was somebody's first feature because it is like really, uh, really professionally done. Not so much a horror movie, is more like a dark comedy kind of. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Angela Bettis is fucking fantastic in it. She's like perfectly cast. Uh, so those are both like really great ones to start off. Tell you right, that one's uh, the the actual fest kicks off mid. October
0: and
4: Mm -hmm. uh, yeah it sounds like they got a pretty big slate of movies I think there's like 17 and like a bunch of shorts and stuff playing but uh, nice so I'm looking forward to that we we also did uh, the they were calling it Celebration of Fantastic Fest which is annoying because now like the movies that played that for this that's what that's what it says on the little laurels that they get to put on their poster in their box oh, art is God. doesn't say doesn't say official fantastic fest selection it mm. says like selection of celebration of fantastic it's like why do you just call it fucking fantastic fest at home <laughs> or something like it's like a lot of people were probably really fucking pumped at the beginning of the year that their movies are going to play this festival yeah. but uh i i digress um Got to see a pretty solid werewolf movie from France called Teddy. Uh, Oh, yes, I found this, yeah. It it was very punk rock and uh, sufficiently gory and uh, just really, really, really well done. Like a little bit of French existentialism. uh, That was the first thing they played. Um, Saw saw a couple things I missed a bunch of shit because their timing, like we were talking about before, was... Mm -hmm. Uh, their windows were really short to watch stuff, so I kind of fucked off some of the stuff and got busy with work. Saw uh, saw so, uh, so a great uh, kind of thriller called "The Boy Behind the Door." Uh, major people under the stairs
2: vibes. Oh, and, you're selling uh, it to me, selling it to me, Mark. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want
4: to tell. I don't want to say too much more about it because I went into this like completely blind and completely cold and like it fucking. I, I was thoroughly shook by the end of this movie. It's it's like one of the like best fucking again, not so much a horror movie as like a really creepy, dark thriller kind of thing. Uh-huh. But um, that, that was yeah, the boy behind the door. I'm sure it's coming out here pretty soon. It was fucking fantastic, nice, really solid. Uh, saw a restoration of Action USA, a fucking old school sort of lost. Cameron Mitchell star 80 action <laughs> movie that I think was directed all by stuntmen because it's just like, it's just, it's insane 80s, like car crash fucking stunt work and uh, insane shit for, you know, 90 minutes. I, I'm sure that's coming out like Vinegar Syndrome, something, Kino, somebody like that. Oh, yes, probably yeah, that out. that's
2: their bread and bar so. Uh,
4: so, a few other things that my favorite thing from Fantastic Fest I saw was The Queen of Black Magic, which is a new one from. Uh, not Timo, the other Mo Brothers guy. Uh, I think that's Kimo, uh, yeah, of the, of the Raid fame, and they've directed a few other things. Uh, I, I'm loving these two guys' work between like stuff like this and "May the Devil Take You" and "The Night mm-hmm. Comes for Us." Uh, ever since the Raid, and these guys kind of split off and are doing their own movies on their own. I think their goal is just to make like either the most insane action movies or the grossest horror movies to kind of one up the other dude. <laughs> and it's just like this friendly competition between the two of them, because this was like one of the most insanely fucking violent movies I've seen in a long time. Like this one would have made the the video nasty censors like shit their pants <laughs> if I would have seen this movie, because it is so fucking banana pants and has like, it's such an insane combination of so many things. It's like, kind of evil dead kind of the orphanage there's some like real strong like herschel gordon lewis kind of vibes and like a little bit of like fucking martyrs thrown in there at the end And it's also kind of a ghost story it, it starts off with a bus full of dead orphans I'll, I'll put it that way like this this movie is heavy fucking metal it's like gorier than a Guar show, and I I can't fucking recommend it enough. I I saw the Shudder logo at the beginning, of so I assume Shudder's putting it out
2: pretty soon. Oh, Shudder's nailing it this year. Like Uh, So
4: much much good stuff. I finally got around to watching Host, the the Zoom. Oh, it's great, isn't it? It's so fucking good. I was, like, legitimately creeped out. I, I went into it thinking that I was gonna hate it. I was like, I don't really like... Found footage movies mm-hmm. and just, are like, just like it seemed real gimmicky to me, and man, I was fucking shocked yeah. at how that much movie I liked that movie got
2: two like proper jump scares with me. And I'll tell you right now, I can tell you, counting on one hand, how many movies in the last five years have landed two jump scares with me in a movie. I just don't, I, I, I can, I usually can see them coming a mile off, um, and it landed, yeah, that's a movie that to me uses its conceit of. Well zoom calls last forty minutes, so it's forty minutes. I mean the movie runs just under an hour. Yeah, and you get your, little set, yeah, your little set yeah, setup before and after and that to me is how found footage movies should be. I don't want a like hour and forty five minute found footage movie. I mean what the fuck are we doing here? It's too
4: much shaky camera, you get a fucking headache by the end of that.
2: Yeah, it just does it does the, the, the good shit, gets and gets it done and um, yeah, I mean that's a that's a lockdown project. So that is someone coming up with a script, uh, employing some actors, getting them to do all the filming on their side, editing all together, um, and then and then delivering it out and Shudder having the confidence to put their weight behind that. And yeah, that that was trending for a long time, which has yeah, made me yeah, happy. everybody
4: was. Everybody was talking about it, and yeah, I finally got around to watch it. I'm glad, I, honestly, that I didn't watch it at night, because it was legit a spooky, creepy-ass <laughs> yes. movie, and I, oh, don't, yeah. I don't believe in ghosts at all or anything, but yeah, I watched it in the morning, and I had, like, goosebumps the whole fucking, mm-hmm.
2: like,
4: last good chunk of it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's a really, really good one, but Shudder is, like, they're not, I mean, the, the beauty of it they is they're, they're just acquiring a lot of stuff just now right off the festival scene or putting their weight behind it and I think that's the that was where I think as a platform they'd struggled for in, in the last couple of years is I think they were waiting too long to acquire things or waiting for things to run out of their distribution on like a Netflix or an Amazon to kind of snap up for older films where to me what they should be doing is focusing as much of their energy as possible and acquiring new stuff like giving yep. them the exclusivity that you know, I mean, it's a Shudder does not cost a lot of money a month, um, and what I'm now finding is, where in the past, I you know I've been I've been paying for it since it came out as a service, um, and there would be like two three months I would not log in, <laughs>
4: like yeah. at
2: all. Uh, but now I'm you know there's at least two movies every month I'm watching from the the service, um, and with the slate of stuff that's coming over specifically this month, specifically with the Cleansing Hour, which is a movie that I thought was. Brilliant at, um, at Fright Fest and the Mortuary Collection, which is maybe one of my favourite anthologies any long fucking time. Um, yeah, yeah it's, like the fact that they're doing that for, for these filmmakers as well, it's a great platform for them to get their movies out to uh, an audience of people specifically catered for that movie rather than dropping it on an Amazon, which may have more eyes, but you're lost amongst eight million movies which have similar posters so
4: yeah, it's yeah good. You, you get that you get that more like curated kind of you know, like the, the people that are running shutter are like humongous horror fans yeah. and I, they, I, it's never been about like becoming like a huge like you know financial success thing they're doing it because they love the stuff mm-hmm. that they're putting out and like yeah it, it, it makes me happy that a lot of these movies are are finding a home where like you know it's 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 all you know all of your great indie like horror movies that are coming out are kind of falling on Shutter, and they're all like right in one place, like you said, you know. Yeah, dig it's fucking all it's like a,
2: it's like a festival experience, but you know, with no time, no time frame. You know yeah. what I mean? You can really you could sit down and plan a whole night of Shutter movies and cover all the bases from psychological horror right through to just straight up splatter gore. Um, and I think that's I think that's great about it. And it's one of the reasons, I, like I read, was it two weeks ago, they announced that they'd finally cracked the 1 million subscriber mark. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. That's, and I'm like, that... fucking well done, that's perseverance, that is understanding that, having the confidence in your product to understand that it, it's always going to be shaky the first couple of years, but eventually... If you believe in your product and you, you work hard at it and you continually work hard on it and you create what the the audience wants, find out what your audience wants and then give them what they want, then, you know, good things will come. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I, I can't wait. And if all these movies... I'm the same as you. I've had a couple of screeners in, in the last month um, for titles and the Shutter logos popped up at the beginning. And I'm like, ah, all right. <laughs> like... Okay, okay, and I'm cool with that. Because, um, like I say, I, I'm much. It's better to see these. Is it not better? Do you think from a festival experience watching a movie and then knowing that, like someone like a shudder's got it, so people will get to see it rather than seeing a movie that you really like and you want to talk about, it, and then it disappears for four years because it can't find distribution.
4: Yep, yeah, yeah, there's been a bunch of movies like that, and that's always frustrating you know, when you are you want to talk to people about it, but like, yeah, you've only, you've only got your festival friends usually that you know actually saw it, mm-hmm. and everybody else is like, oh, that sounds cool. Uh, where, where and when can I see that? And you're like, I don't fucking know.
2: Yeah, I, I walked out at um, Fright Fest two years ago saying Tigers Are Not Afraid is, you know, is my film of the year. It's the film yeah, of the festival. That took a while to come it's fucking out. incredible, and then it took a year and a half. <laughs> For that to to finally get released on, and it was Shudder that picked up, and I couldn't be any happier that Shudder picked up, but I did wonder. I know it was still doing its festival run uh, and was still playing festival dates right up to when it got released on Shudder, but the other part of me was like, this movie should have been out in theatres, even on the indie scene or something, uh, like, before Shudder had even. before it had to end up on Shudder, you know what I mean? Right. This movie should have been out there because of the quality and the craft and the, just just generally how great it was, but the fact that it did eventually become available there for everyone to go and check it out, or you know, I had people just signing up for the the week free for Shudder so they could check it out, um, and they're now Shudder subscribers. So I'm you know I'm happy about that, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a different. This is the new norm. This is going to be us for for a little while now. I think it's going to be digital. Um, Digital festivals and you know, the big news coming out today in the UK is the second largest cinema chain is about to close. Um yep. till next year until movies start coming out. Because of all the movies they pinned their hopes on, they pinned their hopes on James Bond. I mean
4: yeah mm. which i mean at this point i'm already like starting to forget a lot of the movies that were supposed to come out this year yeah. so i mean maybe that was like their huge tentpole movie for the year but yeah i I don't know it's a weird one it's
2: you know i will the james bond movie will make a lot of money when it's released but i don't know if see my problem is they're saying well if james bond isn't out in the cinema then people aren't coming in their droves to the cinema. James Bond's gonna be in the cinema a month. Then what's your plan? You yeah. <laughs> know, what's your next and I think that's the short it feels like kind of almost short short sighted naivety in the face of short term gains when what you should be playing is the the long term product. People people want the cinema experience. So just put movies on. Right, it, it might not necessarily cater to everyone's taste but close half your cinema then only use half the screens and put on smaller movies because by closing cinemas down all you're doing is essentially saying if it's not a big blockbuster studio releasing a big blockbuster movie um, then it's not worthy of cinema being open and I think that's the wrong fucking message to put out the right message to put out is, you know, we'll only, we'll only open the smaller screens. So we'll reduce our running costs. Um, and we'll register staff. Yeah. But we will be putting out new movies and you, you almost give the option for people to partake in the cinema experience rather than purely just show up to see the movie. So, um, I, I think there's a, there's a balance somewhere in there that should be met before it. It's like, well, we'll just close the doors. Fuck it. You know what I mean? Cinema's dead for a year. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. Well, it, it'll be interesting to see because there's no guarantees next April. It's good, you know, if we're going to be any better off. Um, so, I, like by saying we'll, we'll close till Bond comes out next April is like, well, you know, you're, you're doing exactly the same thing you've done twice this year already, which is putting your eggs in in one basket. and You shouldn't do that. You should at, at this stage you should be actively thinking of an alternative solution rather than well it's either this or it doesn't work Um, so we will see Mark Ball Uh, you know what's you know what's really funny only one of these two movies would have properly played in a cinema that we're going to be discussing tonight and the only reason it would have been played in cinemas is because someone decided you know that 3D thing that all the cool kids are doing that Friday the 13th that uh, Amityville uh, 3D movie that Jaws 3D (laughs) movie we're going to back that we're just going to jump on that freight train The kids
4: love the 3D movies.
2: (laughs) I think this is like realistically the second big push into horror 3D. Um, The third one being the early, well, sorry, the mid 2000s. Um, But yeah, this is like one of these ones where they're like, 3D is the future! Um, Without understanding that the reason William Castle did all his gimmicks short term is because these things are short term gimmicks. Um, So yeah, I never thought we'd be. I never thought I'd ever be talking on a show using the words 3D and Charles band together. (laughs) Um, Turns out, if you wait long enough and you do enough podcasts, the gift will come to you. Um, I I mean, I have no preference in the order today. I usually let you know in advance, but I have zero preference at all. I do kind of feel like we should probably do Parasite first just because I've joked about it. Um, So are you ready, Mark, to take a short break? um for, you know, learned people from the Video Nasties documentary to give you a bit of background on the movie, for the trailer to play and then for us to come back and discuss Charles Band directing Lemon Farmer Demi Moore <laughs> um in a in a movie which is three D where I didn't watch it in 3D, but I can see exactly where the 3D bits were. <laughs> um,
4: yeah, it's just that, old, that old thing where you're you're getting a very different experience watching this at home, not in 3D, than the people that originally saw this in the theatre in 3D, so uh, yeah. Oh, there's,
2: yeah. There's a couple of pure amazing moments here where I almost wet myself laughing. Uh, And I imagine at the time people were loving it, but it's fucking horrific. Uh, Yeah, we're going to discuss Parasite from, what was it, 1982? Yep, same year The Thing came out. Oh, dear. Yeah, you're going to hear some folks chat, and you're going to hear the trailer. When we come back, we're discussing that movie right after this.
1: Parasite was... One of a little blip of 3D movies that came out in the 80s, mostly, oddly enough, in 1983. We think of Jaws 3D, Amityville 3D. Uh, it started off with a spaghetti western called Come In At Ya. And I think Charles Band got in second, maybe with Parasite, maybe with Metal Storm, the destruction of Jared Sin. But for a while, he was one of the few people in America who was taking 3D as a process seriously. He didn't stick with it, um, perhaps because video just took off as the medium that his kind of movies were going to. And even now, they can't really do 3D on, on yeah, you know, using videotape as a, a medium to play. They there were a few releases of older things like The Mask, where they put some glasses in. But I've never met anybody who's made it work, who's actually had anything except a headache out of looking at through the cardboard glasses at, at a a VHS playing. But so Parasite came out flat on video. It was sort of an alien imitation, sort of a Mad Max imitation in its uh, miserable near future in the late 1990s. Uh, And there's a scientist who's got a parasite, which looks like, as Cynthia Rose memorably said, a Big Mac with teeth. There's some futuristic scumbags, like the ones in Mad Max, uh, who do some bad things, which require revenge being taken on them. And we have the very young Demi Moore in cut-off shorts and and a belly shirt. All credit her, she's over her career, has become occasionally a bit of a standing joke for a kind of tabloid lifestyle. She has always been a good actress. She has always had dignity, even in Rubbish, and she's very good in Parasite. You can see that this is a movie which any producer watching would say, get me that girl, and lose the number of all those other guys. So as a stepping stone in her career, it's of interest. I think now it has, like a lot of those, 80s futuristic visions is almost nostalgic. The kind of broken down America, although, you know, uh, you know, global warming and gas shortages and all these things that would never happen in real life. And I think that the, the you know, the, the, the once in a lifetime teaming of um, Robert Glaudini and Luca Bercovici, who I still get mixed up um, in, as antagonists, is quite interesting.
0: 3D. The movie fantasy of yesterday is now the terrifying film experience of the future. For technical reasons, the preview you are about to see is not three-dimensional. Be assured, Parasite is the most gripping and frightening movie you will ever see. And in 3D, you will be part of the terror. You are about to witness the future, be warned. It is a shocking sight. 3D, the ultimate sensation of visual art, now creates the newest, most terrifying form of fear, parasite. That thing on your stomach.
2: A new strain of parasite. When it reproduces, it will cast millions of microscopic spores into the air.
0: Just move your legs towards
2: me real slow.
0: Real Mm. slow. Experience the living, Breathing, terrifying vision of modern 3-D. Parasite. You have only seen the preview. In 3-D, you will live the film. Parasite. The first futuristic monster movie in 3-D. Parasite.
2: And welcome back. So you have just heard the <laughs> the trailer for Parasite from 1982. This is directed by Charles Band. Not for Empire, though. Not a lot of people will be thinking, is this an Empire movie? No, Embassy. This, yeah, Embassy, sorry, not Empire. Um, this is before, before. No,
4: Empire was his, his later company. Or, or was it Full Moon? I always get these fucking he, No, he's confused. had about three. <laughs>
2: he, had, he had Empire, I want to say. And then he transferred Empire to Full Moon. Although that, that's I, right, that's right. I yeah. think, I, I, you know, no, no um, judgment on Charles Band at all. But he is a used car salesman. <laughs> he really, really is. So, oh, absolutely. It would not surprise me if one of them, you know, went bust and then renamed. If <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, no, this is not my company. That's a completely different name. Um, so <laughs> uh, Parasite. Is uh, as listed on the IMDb's with a synopsis that goes, set in the year 1992, right? There's already issues there. Uh, ten years after a limited nuclear war has destroyed most of the USA, scientist Paul Dean has developed a new form of leech like parasite, which can grow to large proportions every time it eats. Then, evil government agents storm the lab, he's forced to flee deep into a nearby desert, and is pursued by a merchant, quote unquote, which is a government agent intent on reclaiming the last of the two parasites paul has the first is in a silver container the second is in paul's abdomen paul seeks shelter at a small town this is a fucking war and peace one here thank you Ma- <laughs> matthew patty and um, that's his name that's how he's lost it there. the first uh, the uh, paul seeks shelter in a small desert town populated by scavengers which threaten his work while one local girl, Patricia Wells, forms an alliance with Paul to help him find a way to kill the parasite within him without killing himself, as well as find a way to kill the other one, which gets loose, of course it does, and will soon multiply uh, into many thousands unless killed soon. Uh, the movie stars uh, Robert Gonaldi, uh, Demi Moore, and her, I believe this is her first movie role i think she'd done tv before this yep uh luca yep. berchopsky or whatever james davidson alfan tom villard scott thompson cherry curry <laughs> vivian blaine uh james kavin and some other folks are in this one Fre- hey guess freddie moore's in guess this as who well Lu- <laughs> which is nuts
4: guess who luca luca bercovici uh that's the director of ghoulies
2: it is indeed yeah yeah so already making he's already making weird kind of little there's there's a thing about Charles Band where you just feel like he's just like anyone involved with him is going to have a franchise (laughs) like he's going to make a movie franchise usually involving small puppets or something completely ripped off Uh, Freddie, Freddie Moore who was Demi Moore's uh, Bo, at the time um, They were married uh, Also a very famous rock star uh, Has a small cameo in this movie Which uh, uh, is kind of interesting um, Yeah, this was 3D <laughs> Which you can tell by the poster 3D. But it says 3D about 20 times th- In fact, there's more 3Ds And it's the bigger font than Parasite is um, I had never seen this movie before We joked about this on the last episode where I was really genuinely hoping this was going to be a big old slab of horrible, cheesy sci-fi horror. And Mark, I was over the moon when this proved to be an over-the-top cheesy slab of sci-fi horror. This is, like, borderline horrible. (laughs) But entertaining as fuck. The thing that we were talking about, like, gnarly... Like the three D does like if you go back and watch Friday thirteenth, part three, the three D one, um and there are whole bits where, you know, like someone holds a fucking a harpoon gun and waves it in front of the camera and it's clearly there, you know, for that reason. Or we're gonna do a yo-yo down at the at someone's head and that's purely there for we've got this technique we can use and the audience will get in on it. And it's always used as a gimmick, but never in a way to necessarily add value. It's a it's, it's the fairground ride thing here, and Parasite is exactly the same. Although they have one of my like, there's a guy that's impaled here and turns around and a fountain of blood. Mark comes comes a cascade. Now, well, I say fountain of blood, trickle of blood. Uh, comes a cascade. Now, um, and I'm assuming that's a 3D effect. Has to be. Yep. Has to be. Um but here's my problem and here's my here's, right, here's here's why I don't think the movie works and at the same time why I think the movie works, right? The oxymoronic Duncan approach to to describing his viewing experience of Parasite. Parasite is a movie that has a central premise, which is we're gonna rip off like post-apocalyptic Mad Max, we're gonna rip off Alien. <laughs> we're going to do kind of quasi-sci-fi stuff but you know not really lean too much into any of the the stuff that would elevate some of these movies we're doing it from the pure trash level right that's so cynically this is a a tick box a tick box exercise in how to make a very quick sci-fi horror movie right where I think it surprisingly works um, is that it knows fully what it is and doesn't try to be any more than that. The acting across the board is not great. Um, Demi Moore is not great in this. Um, She has went on record to say that this is her least favourite movie and I'm like I mean come on G.I. Jane and that is not a good movie Um, (laughs) right let me just say
4: Striptease come on yeah
2: you've been in you've been in some dodgy fucking movies Demi Um, Uh, don't stop picking on leave Charles Band alone Um, Yeah, this was her start she shouldn't be down on this one she may not have had a fucking career if it wasn't for exactly I mean everyone starts somewhere and she's actually alright in this one although her role baffles me this movie has like about 90% more lemons in shots and references to lemons that for for a plot that for, well, for an object that doesn't, like, see if this movie was the parasites could be killed by citric acid, then yes, the, the, the many lemons about the place and the introduction of a lemon farmer makes sense. But as a kind of, as a, yeah, look at her, like, have you ever met a lemon farmer, Mark? This this movie was probably funded by
4: one like the fucking lemon farms of Ohio or wherever the hell this was shot.
2: Like uh, that would be my guess. The, the script was written over a tall glass of lemonade, Mark. Um, <laughs> but there's um, there's there's a lot, but it, it doesn't have great special effects, but not the worst that I've seen. Um, it's Stan Winston early early. Stan yeah, Winston. I mean, and th- some of it like works okay. Some of it looks pretty bad but I imagine under the lens of a 3D scope maybe looked a bit better but I mean this movie is under an hour and a half long it never feels like it meanders at all it is got silly kind of plot heaviness in parts where we're trying to you know almost like expedite the plot in a way which I'm like just just stick to what we want to see and it, it gets gnarly and bits where I actually thought it delivered quite a lot of enjoyment and that's what I come down on this is like it is difficult to sit with a critical eye and really critique a Charles Band movie and what's you know because this is a guy who's purely for thrills and spills that is what he's doing he's, he has his we're talking about niche markets earlier on like Shudder um, he has his niche market which is the straight to VHS Uh, Back in the day anyway. Straight to VHS. I'm going to do the Corman. Here's the poster. You know you want to see it. You know you want to see it. And there is nothing remarkable about the movie and it never really truly lives up to the poster. Um, And and that's there's an art to that. There's an exploitative art to that that band cornered the market on in the 80s and fucking ruled the roost and got to help people like Stuart Gordon put out some stuff and, you know, like we were mentioning earlier on when it comes to uh, Look Up, you know, get him to do his stuff. This is also a guy that, like, two years before this made Tourist Trap, which I will still contend is Charles Band's best movie. Tourist Trap's fucking rad. Um, so, I mean, it's not great, but it's not... It's not the, the colossal shit show that I thought it was going to be. It is just, I've seen this movie done a million times before, and oh yes, this is the Charles Band version of it. What did you make of it? Uh,
4: so, yeah, I, I, I agree. This is a terrible fucking movie. <laughs> like it, 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 it's, it's bad, like really bad. Uh but not like the most like definitely not the worst that we've watched for this Mm -hmm. show for sure it's it's like it it's it's got some redeeming values it's it's got some fun characters like i think demi moore is almost a cool character like i think they were trying really hard to make her she's like the the take no shit like lemon farmer (laughs) i guess uh I, I don't know. I think they were they were trying to do something there that didn't quite work out. I think that the, our protagonist in this, the the escaped scientist doctor guy, uh, is one of the worst protagonists in a movie I've seen in a long time. He's like, for a minute I thought it was young Lance Henriksen, mm-hmm. but then I'm like, no, nah, this guy's uglier than Lance <laughs> Henriksen somehow. And he's just he's he's a terrible fucking actor. He he reads all of his dialogue like he's on Quaaludes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's he's just he's just like slops his way through this fucking movie and is like a, a, a horrendous fucking protagonist. Really, like the the our, our characters that like we're enjoying watching is like like I said to a degree Demi Moore, but really it's the fucking weirdo. I can't call him a motorcycle gang because they didn't have the budget for a motorcycle apparently, but like the, just the gang in this town that like roughs people up and eventually lets the, the the titular parasite loose mm-hmm. and gets gets attacked by them. those guys are like really the more fun part of this movie i think <laughs> uh because they, they they're awful and reprehensible and like yeah or just, just like it, this movie starts off with like what we think is a rape scene and our, our protagonist rescues the chick only to find out that like she oh she's with those dudes they were just uh I don't know, it was like a weird kinky sex thing, I guess, but... Um... Major laser blast vibes in this movie? Mm-hmm. This reminded me a lot of laser blast, especially with the, uh... The, the, the tracker... Whatever the fuck they call him. This is, Yeah, yet another. The, the, the alien bounty hunter. Well, he's not an alien, he's like a... Uh... Like a... He's more of a men in black type, uh, type of dude with his lame fucking... <laughs> Uh, ballpoint pen that shoots lasers <laughs> that, I mean to be honest, it's kind of cool because he cuts off a few hands with it, mm. but what a fucking ludicrous stupid fucking It again, reminds me of the giant arm cannon from Laser Blast it's just like, a super cheap prop that they threw together in mm. five seconds and put zero thought into kind of, uh, I think the creature f- effects in this are pretty alright like it it's a really Stan Winston like he's Working with not very much, he probably, like, got paid in beer and potato chips to move this (laughs) thing up on a fucking weekend. And it doesn't look terrible. And like you said, I bet, like, especially that opening shot where the parasite, like, busts out of a dude's fucking skull and it's, like, a heavy metal album cover. I bet that looked pretty cool in 3D and was also, again, you got a a lot of these video nasty movies. You you get banned in the first five minutes and this one has an exploding skull and some psychedelic maybe vaguely satanic kind of looking imagery in the beginning of it uh, within the first five minutes like the cold open is that basically yeah. so <laughs> um, but yeah this this movie was not good I, I would probably never watch this again um, but I, I, I didn't absolutely hate it I thought some of the music was kind of mm-hmm. fun uh, Charles Band always has especially the I didn't see Richard Band's yeah Richard Band did videos. it on this
2: so, did the, the, the composing yeah, yeah. okay? It's yeah, usually, he's, it's he's a, usually a safe bet when it comes to yeah, he's a
4: fantastic composer, even when he's like super duper ripping other stuff off, <laughs> looking at your reanimator. But anyway, uh, I don't yeah, know what you mean, Mark. <laughs> yeah, but I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, this, this is a bad movie. If, if, if you're looking for just a fucking schlock sandwich, this is. Uh, this is a pretty safe bet, but if you're looking for something that's, like, even remotely deep, or, like, I don't know, just, just, this, this this whole thing is just, like, a fucking huge rehash of things that you've seen in other movies done way, way better, so. Yeah. Uh, especially without the 3D gimmick, this is, uh... I don't know. I kind of think you could skip this one. Oh yeah, this is <laughs> not one great. that would
2: actively suggest that you search out at all. And, interestingly enough, I think you're. I think you're right with the right group of friends, um, a, a good kind of case of beer in front of you, and the we're going to chat. But every now and again, look at the screen and laugh at how bad something is, or like just take yeah. in the nonsense. This is the perfect sort of movie. For that, but out with that. I mean, it's like the old adage says, Mark: when life gives you lemons, don't make a parasite movie. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> surely,
4: I, I did like this this movie. I, I, it's weird. Like, I, I, I really like the weirdest fucking things in movies sometimes. <laughs> but kind of what I liked, I like the shop owner in this movie, mm-hmm. or the guy that runs like the. Uh, it's like a soup kitchen because all they have is canned soup because it's post-apocalyptic. Uh, he, he just runs like the little trading station in this town even though he doesn't get a lot of I think most of his customers get beat up and killed and robbed by the fucking gang or whatever but yeah he's just this old black dude that fucking has a shotgun under the counter and a big scar on his face that sells canned soup and canned beer and uh, canned water or something else And I don't know for some reason I, I kind of like that idea It's. Uh, I'm always interested in when you take like kind of uh, like Wild West ideas and put them in a post-apocalyptic setting to kind of make it seem more like a Western mm-hmm. than like a futuristic sci-fi movie kind of. I I love that kind of shit. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I also laughed at the, uh, the, the old lady that runs the, the hotel, which again, she doesn't get very many customers, probably because the gang just beats up and kills everybody <laughs> that comes through town. Uh, but her, I don't know who that actress is. I, I didn't bother looking that up, but who she reminded me of. I don't know if you're a Seinfeld guy, Duncan, but the episode yep. where... Kramer goes to Hollywood and he stays in the hotel and meets the old lady that's like, I used to be a big deal actress in this town. And then I got old. Now I'm a nobody. Mm. That's that lady that runs the hotel. She, she probably used to be somebody humongous. And then, uh spent all of her acting money on booze and left Hollywood and kind of you know became nobody then Charles band is like you know recognizes her from old movies and does the rob zombie mm-hmm. thing, hey, you want to come make a paycheck come be in my movie, which you know I, I i i can respect that given older actors you know at least somewhat steady work so um yeah, I think that's about all I have to say about what do you say about this one? I just not, knocked something over there. So, <laughs> this is all uh, I yeah. have to
2: say about this movie, Duncan, and I'll say no more about it. Don't make me wreck my house. God damn it! Recording
4: studio doubles as like my shooting studio for stop motion mm. stuff. So I just knocked over a fucking whole styrofoam oh, diorama
2: probably more effort and work went into that styrofoam di- diorama than <laughs> the whole of the movie Parasite. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think we're both kind of on the same page here. Um, for our listeners that are checking out the, the show for the first time, why? <laughs> Go back and listen to the beginning. Uh, but yeah, we do our own kind of unique style of grading over here where we basically have fun with it. And we have different grading tiers. Uh, The maximum one, as in this is violent AF and, you know, had we been a censor at the time, by God, this would have been burned at the stake. Is some hard time Uh, for those movies that are, you know, starting to head that way. But maybe, you know, they're dangerous, they're risky, uh, they get a bit of community service. Um, For those that are maybe kind of flirting with it. But maybe not grossly offensive. But you know, there's a couple of mean streaks in them. They do a little bit of community service, and for those movies that are so bland, so tame, and uh, maybe show a boob or two, uh, those are case dismissed. Um, where are you coming in with uh, *Parasite*? Uh, this is a real light
4: slap on the wrist. The 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 violence is like pretty goopy and gory but it's never really like it's It's very sci-fi and is not really like very mean spirited and there's like a boob or two and it had me thinking that it was going to start with a rape scene but that's not actually what it was so uh, yeah this, this one's pretty safe I, don't know. I think they came down on this because of
2: the box art it wouldn't surprise me at all, would not surprise me if that was the case, And um, yeah I'm, I'm coming in with yeah, I, I mean I was kind of flirting with the idea of a case dismissed but there are a couple of gnarlier bits in it with the the effects, there's a, a good degree of violence in there which I mean it's not handled particularly well but I imagine of the time uh, it was still pretty jarring so yeah I'd I probably do the same slap on the wrist for this movie Right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, after more learned words from educated people uh, about our next movie and the trailer, we will be discussing The Erotic Rights of Frankenstein by a little bit of Jesus Franco. Yeah, my buddy Jess finally making season two. Um, Yeah, we're going to be discussing that movie from 1973 coming right up right after this.
3: Okay, well we have Jess Franco here with uh, The Erotic Rights of Frankenstein, which has been released under many different titles over the years. Les Experience, Erotic de Frankenstein or La Maldición de Frankenstein which translated from the Spanish means Curse of Frankenstein apparently also made it onto film as Curse of Frankenstein in English at some point I rather wish that they'd gone with Erotic Rights of Frankenstein across the board because although now that's quite an obscure title for the film given that it only came out on UK video in, in the, back in the day as that I miss that one I think The Erotic Rights of Frankenstein is a great title it's a much more exploitable title and kind of fits it better I think it's one of the best just Franco movies. Given that quite a few of the really bad Franco films came out on video in this country, it's a relief to be able to say that this is one worth seeking out. It's from 1972, originally under a shooting title Les Plaisirs de la Nuit, in Pleasures of the Night. It's a beautiful widescreen, scope compositions, a rampage basically through horror iconography. To get a handle on this, you need to go back a little bit and think about the fact that Franco made Cam Dracula, a version of the Dracula story in 1970, two years before with uh, Christopher Lee, allegedly, and then the idea of this film was to try and tell the original Bram Stoker story. Well, they didn't pull that off and uh, Franco took a beating in the press because uh, the, the, the hype for Count Dracula was it was going to be the first um, truly accurate rendition of the book. Well, it wasn't. No one was particularly satisfied with Count Dracula. I think Franco in particular seems to have needed to exorcise uh, this bad experience by returning to the subject of dracula and the gothic horror tradition in a very different mindset count dracula is very stuffy and staid and almost trying to be a hammer film this film and its twin dracula prisoner of frankenstein are delirious no holds barred all bets are off the rules are out the window sort of a gothic uh, fantasy you've got characters floating in from the Dracula story and the Frankenstein story but they're not acting in the way they're meant to and there's no attempt to crowbar them into a sensible storyline this is like um, far more inspired by uh, the Fumetti Italian comics uh, and by the Bam Desine, uh Franco-Belgian uh, comic strips uh, that Franco was very very keen on and also it introduces this element of eroticism which is a, a million miles away from anything that you would have got in the Hammer films even though you know, people associate Hammer with cleavage. They're not really sexy films, are they? And sex isn't really something that the Hammer studio really seemed very comfortable with. There's a great scene, for instance, where Cagliostro, this mesmerist and magician uh, who now controls Frankenstein's monster with thought energy, a great idea in itself, orders the monster to uh, whip a servant and Vera Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein's daughter, tied up within a circle of knives, the idea that being that when one of them can not stand the whipping any longer, they will have the choice of whether to pitch forward onto the knives themselves. It's a film that gives one of Franco's leading men, I think, possibly his best role, and that's Howard Vernon. Now, Howard Vernon was the original Dr. Orloff in The Awful Dr. Orloff, which is possibly his best-known role. Certainly, it was the role that a lot of people have in mind when they think of his work with Franco. I think this is possibly better, and, and um, it really... A lot, of the, a lot of the power of the film revolves around the way the camera sort of soaks up Howard Vernon's charisma and really draws out of him this incredible energy. There are some close-up shots of him where he's playing, as I say, a mesmeric magician, where you genuinely believe that he really could send waves of thought energy into other people's minds. You know, It's a very powerful performance. It also features one of the greatest incidental characters in a Franco film, Melissa the Bird Woman, who is played by this wonderful actress called Anne Lubert, a fascinating-looking woman. She's like something out of a surrealist painting or something. She's so wonderful. And the the actress, Anne Lubert, uh, who who plays her, has got this kind of strange opiated quality where she just kind of feels as if she's just come from an orgy. She just looks depraved and debauched and, and yet incredibly glamorous. So it's great casting, really interesting faces in front of the camera. And it's got a Frankenstein monster sprayed silver. I mean, you know, it's it's just a visual treat. I find it hard, given how delirious and strange the film is, to believe that anybody wanted to put it on the, try and get it on the video analysis list purely on the basis of the film itself. It's such an alienating film for, for most people. I would have thought that they would have never have got through it. So I suspect it's probably the cover art of bound, semi-nude women. Uh, and that's probably all it took. Just, um, you know, okay, we've got uh, women tied up in chains, that's bound to be sleazy, nasty, and horrible, and something that we should stop. And I think that's probably as far as it went. I'd be amazed if any law representative of law and order ever made it through this movie to the end. I really would.
5: The Château de Barna. La mort habite its caveaux. But a new life will be by the creature of et le monstre de Frankenstein. Imaginez que tu pourrais me tromper. Des ondes magnétiques m'ont sauvé à temps, Maître. Sa propre fille, le docteur Frankenstein revient parmi les vivants. C'est-tu ce qui va se passer maintenant? château de Barna. Seule la science triomphera. personnage fascine et terrifie quel est le secret du château de Barna et qui sont ces créatures qui l'abritent un film que vous devez voir La malédiction de Frankenstein
2: and welcome back ladies and gents so yes as with great privilege and pride (laughs) that I uh, welcome Jess Franco to the old uh, the old nasties list again my old friend welcome back it's been so long since I saw you Uh, we're doing the erotic rites of Frankenstein from 1973 this is written and directed by Jess Franco the movie itself oh dear uh, Alberto Bella's, uh, Dennis Price, Howard Vernon, Beatriz Savon, Anne Libert, Fernando Bilbo, um, Carmen de oh dear, Lois Barbu. it's <laughs> having a stroke. <laughs> What's going on here? Let's skip all these people. Uh, and let's jump straight to that synopsis, which is Dr. Frankenstein and his assistant Morpho are killed. That's right, we're going to get to that in a second. Just as they bring down and Life was right at the beginning. Uh, The monster is taken by Callistro, and he now controls the monster and plans to have it mate and create the perfect master race. That's kinda what happens in this movie. Kinda. Um, Kinda. Kinda. Uh, Right, so I suppose it's worth saying there are two versions of this movie out there. So I don't know, I watched the one on Prime. (laughs) Um, Um which didn't appear to be the one that I wanted so I then took to the internet and found the version I wanted which is the one with all the smut um, and I was much happier
4: um oh weird I didn't know there was multiple versions of this I, did you see the,
2: the one with a lot of vagina um because <laughs> if you didn't you have well I mean it was a lot
4: of Merkins but yeah oh yeah, well, yes yeah, so you and saw the right a, one and then. it's got some do- you... and it's got some dong in it yep
2: that's the right one then so he did he, he did essentially two <laughs> versions of this movie. Um, one for its original kind of French run, so you know I, I believe the movie may be, may have been partly French financed. Um, so it, its original debut, its premiere, uh, was in France and contained a ton of nudity. <laughs> uh, full of the nudes. Yep. Yeah, but then there was an international market that came a calling, Mark. And when that international market comes a calling, you to tone it back. So he did some reshoots and he strip out almost all the nudity. Um, and there's that version of it, which has That's lame. yeah, which has a lot more dialogue and a lot less tits, uh, which you know upsets me. You know, I, I like I like the the female form. Occasionally, if a dong flashes on the screen, I'll be like, you know, it was chilly in that studio, or by God, that man's tongue. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's one of the two. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying I, I make comments sometimes they're inappropriate (laughs) and leery. Um, But yeah, so this is... Like I said at the beginning, I feel like I I have to sometimes go on the apology tour when it comes to Jess Franco. I find him a wonderfully fascinating director, like really, really, really interesting in that there's there's a guy here who is almost the reverse craven Like, Wes Craven starts off by doing... Before he even starts doing things like Last House on the Left, he essentially shoots porn. (laughs) Like, he's involved in that. You know, not the hardcore, hardcore shit, but that's his kind of... That was how he kind of got into doing films. And then would find exploitation and then find the mainstream. Um, And, like, Jess Franco starts from a purely exploitation background and then finds that, that the titillation are the more interesting stuff. So basically just goes off and does porn and softcore porn. Um, and we're catching him here while he's still doing his kind of exploitation horror stuff. And his like sheer volume of movies are eye-watering. This is a guy who would double up uh, when making movies, constantly double up, sometimes triple up. He would get financing for one movie would deliberately undercut the spend on that movie to finance two or three <laughs> movies after it. Yeah, he can't, Yeah, constantly. Con- this is a guy who... I don't know what the long-term plan was because he's a guy who is vocally active in condemning his, his movie output. He's a guy who, like, really doesn't like to talk that much about the movies he made because he kind of... I don't know if it's shame or whatever, but... This is a guy who clearly loved making movies because he made so many of them. Um, and right. if, if legend is to be believed, during the shooting of this, he was simultaneously shooting another movie. So, <laughs> using the same location. Uh, which, once again, should not is the least surprising fact you should ever have uh, in a movie like The Erotic Rights of Frankenstein. This is another one which, for all intents and purposes... I'm kind of conflicted about because there's a lot in this movie that I think is primo Jess Franco, and if you're familiar with his stuff, then it's you know all the kind of on some level quite artistic yet sleazy Euro exploitation stuff is definitely in here to show there's a ton of needless nudity because Franco just wanted naked people on the screen, and I you know I I get that, and the more you watch of his movies, the more you're going to see that. Um, but there are, like, flashes of greatness in this movie, specifically in the cinematography, which I think is fucking brilliant. Um, set locations, great. Um, weird, like, like weird details. Like, I, I will be honest, I don't think I've ever seen a kind of monochrome Frankenstein. I don't know where the choice was to, to basically spray-paint him silver. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> like, there's a... There is a weirdness in that, and I don't know. Like, you're you're fucked if you make him green. You can't make him green because Universal sued everyone that even remotely tried. That's why Hammer, when Hammer did Frankenstein, Christopher Lee. Is it looks like the the incredible Melton man? You know, he's like bits falling yeah. off him and all the rest, and he's gnarly fucking he's all stitched yeah, up. It, looks
4: like a zombie, kind of Yeah,
2: like he's like there's a reason behind that because if you remotely make him green and have bolts in his neck and staples in his head, like Universal is coming with their very very diligent team of lawyers, and by the time yeah. you're le- by the time they're left, the only thing you've got left to wear is a cock sock because um, they've taken <laughs> everything fucking else from you, um, and. It's we you know so they, they make but there are certain choices in the way the frankenstein looks like where I was like if you just paint him green he's not that far removed <laughs> like he's not that far removed from Karloff um but this is a movie that almost abandons really fucking, really fucking quickly the idea of frankenstein as a movie it's like we walk in with him being created and then we very quickly kill off the the conflict of have I created life? What have I done? He's alive. This is
4: barely a Frankenstein.
2: Yeah, they get rid of it really fucking fast, in favour of some talon hand wielding, semi clothed, rather attractive bird chick. Um <laughs> who, like, that's the only way I can describe her, to be honest that's with sentence. you. Who you know, like essentially captures him and then we're going we're going on the we're going (laughs) we're going on a journey to Calistro uh, played by the late great Howard Vernon who would then lead into I've never understood this is the thing that's always confused me about right I want to create life from death but then I want to then have that life create life it's always been one of those Plot points in the Frankenstein movies where I'm like that. Well, I've created life. Always oh, sad. I'll make him a mate, as if you know, like it's almost as if they don't understand that most relationships end in divorce. Mark. <laughs> like, <laughs> a, yeah. I don't. I, like it's a very, very weird thing, and they they kind of move it in the the kind of sexy realm in this in this movie here where they're trying to push it. <laughs> and then there's just a whole lot of weirdness. Like like I say, the cinematography is kind of fucking awesome. And a lot of the set designs I really enjoy. But the way the movie's cut together at times as... Like, Franco sometimes cut his movies together so quick because, like I say, he's usually making about three at a time that not all the edits feel clean and there are a few edits in this movie that really feel quite jarring Um, and a couple of shots that I feel are almost... Uh, superfluous to what they're doing That like, you know, a scene runs a bit longer than it maybe should there's a, a gap with silence where maybe there shouldn't be um, so it kind of feels like he's constructed it all really fast together and then at the end of it I finished watching it and my m- maybe my biggest issue although I'll be honest with you I actually really enjoyed The Erotic Rise of Frankenstein for all the reasons I've listed out uh, my big like issue at the end of it was I am not sure what this movie is actually doing like, I, like you know what I mean I, I come to the end of it and I don't feel like there's an actual story here that is a, like an A to B to C to end it kind of feels like a, half an A a lot of B then maybe like an end and C bits missing like the C part of the the movie is kind of gone in the script and it finishes, and I've seen a lot of cool things, and I've seen some things that I never thought I would see before. Uh, I've seen quite a deal of nudity. Um, but at the end of it, I'm kind of like, what was the plan again? Like, wh- why did it- <laughs> why did we kidnap him again? Why are we doing this? And that's not always an issue with Franco movies. I sometimes think that Franco's really good at maybe like stretching out what feels like a like a, like a half a beer mat <laughs> worth his story he can stretch out the a movie and this kind of feels like there's a really long story here that just doesn't have an ending so he shot it anyway so yeah I don't know I, I, I'm conflicted about this one because I think this is a visually very interesting movie and I love some of the designs they do and it is the epitome of a Jess Franco movie like I say the more you watch of them the more you start to get those little telltale signs that you, you're you watching a Franco movie but at the end of it I kind of felt plot wise and this is I mean some people will be slapping their foreheads right now and rolling their eyes that I'm about to say this but plot wise this is a kind of sketchy one for me <laughs> And uh, I don't, I don't think there is necessarily a real story in this movie. And I think even throwing Frankenstein in here, we could strip Frankenstein off the title, and, just, and there'd be comparisons to Frankenstein. But we could strip it off here and just have it as an experiment gone, you know, bad, and someone stealing it to take it elsewhere, rather than necessarily even going down the roads that we are here uh, with Frankenstein. I'm going to ask you before we get into this because this is a conversation we've never had before. Me and Andy had way back in the day. How familiar are you with Jess Franco?
4: Not very. Right. In fact, I don't know if I've ever seen one of his movies before. Sorry. Was... <laughs> <All
2: right. laughs> so with uh, with um, with maybe the knowledge of the name and not necessarily of the content, how did you get on with the erotic rights of Frankenstein? <laughs> um. So
4: I, I I watched this twice. <laughs> most of the way through. I've
2: obeyed it. I I started this last (laughs) night
4: and, well, uh... I don't know if I should be saying this, but the world's coming to a fucking end anyway. Mm -hmm. So uh, when when I started this last night, I was uh, a little bit uh, under the influence of uh, some some of the strong stuff, let's say, (laughs) and uh, that's maybe the ideal way to watch this movie because uh, this is an hour and thirteen minutes of like. Mostly fucking nonsense, mm-hmm. from what I, I I can gather. Like this this movie made no fucking sense to me the first like the first go through, it I don't think it was because I was you know uh, watching it through goggles of, <laughs> of sorts, shall we say. Uh, so, so yeah, I I, I got about forty five minutes into this last night and was just like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. This is the weirdest goddamn movie I've ever seen. This is fucking Naked Blind Bird Woman. I, I, again, for the kids in the back of the class, Naked Blind Bird Woman is one of the main characters in this. And she just has like these long fucking soliloquies to uh, Not Manos, uh, who's kind of our lead in this. I, I forget the, who the actor you said was. Is uh, Howard I mean? Vernon looks like a, plays a cholesterol he, he looks like a cross between Quentin Tarantino and Oliver Reed with the bad goatee. And his, his character is basically Manos and he's got all these like naked sluts around the castle and like a fucking squad of like uh, people that look like they're at the Mask of the Red Death party. Mm-hmm down in the basement that's like his cult basically he's building like an army of the dead yeah the,
2: the, the design of the army of the dead is one of the most confusing things ever because I don't think at any point um, it's really specified whether or not they're in costume or this is how they look Like, I didn't know if these what, were like worshippers what? or he'd actually created these people and if he's created these people this army of the dead then why the fuck does he need to steal Frankenstein's monster
4: yeah and like I I laughed because one of one of the one of his squad is it's literally a doctor's office skeleton in like a bed sheet and they're they're passing that off as a character I had to fucking laugh I was like oh this is like fucking William Castle level shit uh but yeah this is a this is a weird hot mess of a movie that I still don't know if I completely understand like what the fuck is going on through a lot of this uh I, I I feel bad for anybody that gets tricked into watching the version of this that doesn't have the nudity in it, because, like, all of the best parts of this, I feel like, have nudity mm-hmm. in them, especially at the giant whipping scene. Like, I, man, that was, like, some of the weirdest, kinkiest shit I'd seen in one of these movies in a while. You got silver fucking, uh, like, he's eastbound and down, been huffing fucking silver paint. That was what I was thinking. Frankenstein. <laughs> uh like whipping two people like tied to each other back to back that are like a man and a woman both butt ass naked that's where we get some dong in this movie uh and it was probably cold on that (laughs) side and they're they're standing in like the center of like a room where the floor is all knives and they're just getting whipped and like the the effects is like the whipping effect is actually pretty good because there's a couple shots in there where i think what they did is they just like Soaked the whip in like fake blood and like kind of gently hit them with it so that it actually looks like it makes a big lash on their sides. I, that was actually like kind of a neat little trick that they did. Um,
2: there's a, there's yeah, a. I'll give you a laugh here. There is an ongoing rumor, right? Like the more, the more of the Franco movies you watch, the more you realize that he does like people getting whipped in these movies. <laughs> a man that that enjoys the sound of leather on skin. Um Well, yeah. And he, he, he. Adamantly, adamantly defends his position as not being into any sort of kinky sadomasochistic sex and yet the evidence it'd be like Quentin Tarantino saying I don't lie. like feet. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's, there's, there are is. hours and hours and hours of footage that that kinda that kinda hint the other way. Um but yeah, I I, I you could have fucking I think the whole neighbourhood heard me roll out laughing loud when the whipping scene started because I was like, oh, of course, here's it here it's here, here it's fucking of course it was. it was inevitable. Like the sun rising in the morning mark. Here is <laughs> here is the fucking whipping scene. He just he's a guy who like I don't know why he steers so far away from it. I'd steer into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. like a bit of Kinky's sex Look at my films. That's, that's, I mean that's the least that's, concerning thing in this movie. <laughs> It's the most interesting
4: parts of this movie. That was that was when I looked up last night, my fucking pupils like the size of quarters, and looked at the screen, and this was what was going on. And I'm like, no, nope, can't fucking hang. I gotta, I'm gonna have to get up early and start this in the morning because this is way too much to fucking handle right now. And uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, the, the, those are the most interesting parts of this. And the fucking bird woman. And, oh like, yeah, I don't the,
2: know what the, the sat- fuck is going on with s- that
4: oh she she eats flesh also I don't know if I mentioned that part there's a scene where she like fucking eats a guy and the sound design is so annoying it's like literally just a person making bird noises into a microphone (laughs) with a little bit of like reverb on it it is cringy and ridiculous and just oh I was fucking like I I, I got up early this morning to watch this movie and man it was like a fucking uh, a hot cup of coffee with fucking some mescaline in it or something. I was, so fucking, I was like, I don't know what this movie is. This is this is just like a a weird little experiment. It's it's like it's like barely a movie. I don't know how to fucking describe it, but like I'm I, I don't know. I I kind of came into this being l- wanting to be like I fucking hated this movie, mm-hmm. but like hearing you talk about Franco a little bit, like the more I think about it, I'm
2: like. I gotta
4: see some more of this dude's movies. D- like, Dude, so, yeah, this he, is
2: the he was just by the Gonzo way, shit I came an, for. <laughs> Double checked is Devil Hunter and not Demon Hunter, so I knew there was like when I said Demon Hunter, I was like uh, Devil Hunter's his other one. Um, but like that, that made the nasty list, and he's done other cannibal movies as well. But he's a guy who basically just did whatever the fuck he wanted, um, and he is he's some. The weird thing about it is he has some really interesting work. A guy who. You know, I'm I'm just checking through his movies, for example. Um he made are you ready for <laughs> fucking hell. Uh we were a director two hundred and seven credits. Jesus. Uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight movies in nineteen eighty one. Yeah, that, that's that's like
4: average ten over ten a year over twenty years roughly.
2: The year that this movie came out, he made twelve movies in that year. Fucking hell! Um, yeah, you'd have you'd have to be shooting up
4: simultaneously. You can't like, especially back in the day when you weren't shooting digital. You yeah. can't get a movie done in a month, like not not from script to in fucking
2: theaters. You can't. That's that's <laughs> mind blowing. So, like, I, I mean, I, I I would definitely recommend if you're if you're checking them out, the demons. Um, which was out the same year actually which is a kind of weird almost kind of almost like the devil the devils yeah in fact it's about the same time so it wouldn't surprise me if you fucking ripped that off Um, but yeah that's definitely one Daughter of Dracula is really 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 good as well Um, I have a soft spot for Night of the Skull it's not a great movie but I do I do have a little soft spot and then if you're wanting to like, I mean he's got a a litany of movies which made the nasty list including things like Women Behind Bars which is as sleazy as you think that's going to be Um, yep that sounds sleazy yeah it's it's horrifically (laughs) it's horrifically sleazy (laughs) Uh, but yeah then you're moving into his cannibal stuff as well and yeah I mean he's a he's an interesting filmmaker he made a ton of fucking shit like movies which are barely movies but I, like I say I've never I, there's no way I will ever be able to watch them all Um but there's always like one or two things I walk away from being like that you know that's kind of that's interesting at least or I really like the way he's composed this you know particular shot or, there's always like one little thing where I think if he just focused and had a good budget and been less sleazy um, I think he, he probably had it in him to make a like one off incredible masterpiece of a movie but it, he just never could hold it. But there's also a part of me that feels like he never wanted to make that anyway. Um, so he's kind of staying true to himself. Which, to be honest, was, this I'm was like his comfort
4: up. zone. Was like the low budget type of stuff that he could crank out real quick, not put a whole lot of effort into or work into, and just move on to the next. Yeah, thing pretty like. much.
2: I think his films financed his films. I don't think he ever really got rich off it. If you know what I mean. So it's not yeah. not like a Ponzi scheme or anything like that. Where he's you know, he's scoring series bank by defrauding investors. Like I said before, he would undercut movies to make more movies. To basically finance more movies. So he wasn't doing anything like necessarily to push him on. Um which I think in a lot of respects kinda makes me respect him even more. So and I probably shouldn't. Um so yeah, so there we go. I mean, is there anything else you want to say about this movie before we before we wrap it up?
4: It was super, super fucking weird. Uh, I, I posted in the group that you could rent this thing from Kino Lorber for a dollar 99. Uh, there, there's blu-rays of both of these movies we talked about out from Kino. Uh, the, the parasite one just came out last year and I guess it is an actual 3d, but, uh, they have one of, uh, rights of Frankenstein. It's, it's, it's also called, um, I guess this one's also on Shutter. The the version I watched is on YouTube, and yeah, it's the one that's got uh, the the dong and plenty of, plenty of badly covered vaginas in this movie. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, weird. To, I don't know if I could recommend this to people, but it's definitely. <laughs> I, I I mean I'm into weirdo shit and sleaze and stuff that's just like you will know, make you fucking scratch your head like how does this exist mm-hmm. kind of so uh, yeah I I kind of want to check out some more Franco stuff
2: nice nice well um, you know where we're going with this uh, we now have to give this one... <laughs> this is going to be the fun part oh boy yeah we have to give this one a grade um, so let's <laughs> let's uh, swing it to you again Mark you know what our grades are what is the erotic rights of Frankenstein getting from you. I mean i think i kind of got to give this some community
4: service because it is sort of like a softcore porn film i mean there's not really any like fucking in it but there's a lot of naked people in it and uh the it's not really i don't really remember any violence in this that was like super bad or anything i know like frankenstein kind of fucks some dudes up at the end of this but there's it's not particularly bloody i don't remember there, there's like a beheading in this that was uh that was this movie. Yeah. Check. Right, yeah. it gets her head cut off that. Uh, okay. That was actually kind of one of the other cooler effects. Cause they like did it like where like it's, it's not a fake head. It's the actual a- actress and they just framed it so that like, they make it look like you, they pick up her severed head with her hair and like she opens her eyes kind of, that was actually kind of a cool, like simple trick that they did with that one. But I, that's about all I remember as far as violence goes in this one. So, uh, yeah a little bit of community service just because this is like semi pornographic so (laughs) other than that I mean there's not yeah this is coming from an American where like we have way different standards as far as like sex and nudity in movies go than Europe obviously does Mm -hmm. so um, yeah, skip the fucking don't don't watch the version of this that doesn't have the nudity in it because all the good parts will be gone
2: <laughs> well said well said uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one as well it's community service mostly because of the I'm like, I always try and I always try and pivot it through what the censors would have been like at the time and just knowing what British censors are like with the sheer volume of nudity in, in the movie uh, this is just the sort of shit they just couldn't handle. Anything to do with anything that portrayed violence and sex on screen. I mean we're alright with just boobs being out and like slapstick comedies or whatnot. Uh, if you watch any of the carry-on movies from like the seventies and eighties, there's a lot of kind of there's tits everywhere <laughs> in those movies. Just boobery. And a lot of jokes about tits. Um but as soon as you you know as soon as you put violence in in that with it you know it, j- it just won't fly in its band. So uh, I mean that's a good point. So that that to me probably what raises it up. You know, out with that lens, it's probably you know on on my level, it's it's tame, it's tame. It's, but you know, um, I think. It sits somewhere between the the old uh, community service and the slap on the wrist, but for the the, the confines of this show through the lens, I'll, I'll probably lean to very light community service sentence. So there we yep. go. That is our good work done here. Ladies and gents, we're going to take our final break of this episode. After promos for shows that we love, you're going to hear us tell you what's coming up on episode number 10 of season two, doing the Nasty, which will be dropping also this week, eh, this week, this month, not this week. Uh, we don't have that in us. And Mark will be happy because he owns at least one of these movies. So... Ah, sweet. That will make him happy. And the other one, if you've not seen before, I'm really interested to see what you make of it. Uh, So yeah, we're going to be discussing that right after this.
0: This is a test
3: of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, The Psycho Semantic Podcast.
2: And welcome back, ladies and gents. You've been listening to a little bit of doing the nasty. This has been season two, episode number nine. In this, we were discussing Parasite from 1983 and the erotic rights of Frankenstein from 1973. So... <laughs> where are we going in a couple of weeks time well we are once again leaning back into an old comfortable blanket which is the late great italian sleaze that is umberto lenzi uh, oh boy yeah i know i know we're, we're finally getting to some motherfucking cannibals which makes me happy Uh we're doing this weirdly enough is not the movie that made the nasty list, but the movie that he made right after, which is basically, for all intents and purposes, the same fucking movie. Uh, we're going to be doing eating Alive* from 1980. Um, so, the reason I kind of see he did he, the year after this, he does *Ferox*. And Cannibal Ferox uses pretty much the same score and a lot of the same locations and, and, and a lot of the similar sort of parts uh, But just makes it a bit more refined has a bit more of a budget and is a bit more ripping off Cannibal Holocaust um, Which is always the funny fact about Umberto Lenzi is you know, look he ripped off Cannibal Holocaust when he made Cannibal Ferox. Yet, you know, the year that that came out he did Eaten Alive, which is obviously here He also did the first Italian Cannibal movie like Almost a decade before, so cut the guy some fucking slack. However, yeah. yeah, this movie is not a good movie. <laughs> so oh, no. know, it's not cute. It's it's kind of bad. But um, I'm looking forward to getting to it because this is is this our first cannibal movie?
4: I do believe so, I mean we've had movies with people being eaten and shit, but uh, yeah, this is probably our first full blown jungle fucking holocaust cannibal movie.
2: Nice, so yeah, Eaten Alive is the first one, the second one came out a whole seven years before, uh, and is Pigs, aka Daddy's Dead Uh, Darling, now you got this recently didn't you?
4: yep i got the vinegar syndrome one which has a fucking sweet cover but i'm sure it's probably not gonna live up to that
2: cover. <laughs> right so the synopsis for both these movies eaten alive a young woman teams up with a mercenary to find their missing sister in the jungles of new guinea where they find that their deranged leader of a religious cult has located his commune in an area inhabited by cannibals so that's eaten alive uh the pig synopsis Lynn Hart is a disturbed young woman who escapes from a mental hospital where she was committed for killing her abusive father who raped her already thinking this movie feels like primo nasty Uh, stealing a nun's Oh, we're getting the whole synopsis here. Oh, it's got nuns, sweet. Stealing a, sorry, nurses, not nuns. Nah, uh, nurses well, uniform well, okay. and... I, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as good as nuns, but it's close. <laughs> a uniform in car. Lynn ends up in a small Californian town where she meets and shacks up with Zambrini an old farmer who runs a local motel (laughs) and roadside cafe. Zambrini owns a group of pigs that he keeps in a pen behind the house who've somehow developed, somehow, listen to them, developed a taste for human flesh. (laughs) How did that happen? I have no idea. (laughs) It was an accident, your honour. When Lynn begins killing a number of men who remind her of her dead fathers, Zambrini helps her by disposing the bodies to the pigs. Investigating the disappearances, the local sheriff becomes suspicious of Lynn's past the private investigator hired by the hospital to find her uh, slowly close in on Lynn this sounds fun as fuck um, yeah. so I am looking forward to both these movies, Eating Alive I have seen many moons ago but looking forward to getting back into it Pigs I have never seen and hadn't heard of until you seemed excited about it and this is the bit I'm most happy about Eating Alive, 1 hour 30 minutes long, Pigs 1 hour 20 minutes long Oh, thank God. Dear God Almighty, there's a, there's a there's a time and a place in my heart for a movie that runs under an hour and a half. Just saying. Yep. Just saying. Uh, so yeah, that's what we'll be doing. End of the month. Dude, we have a couple of cracking episodes coming right after that. Um, if you want to know, let me tell you what we have coming for you, dear sweet listeners, because the the biggest thing is our December episode is going to be the tits, but... Um, We're going to be doing The Demons, a.k.a. Les Demons, um, and Prom Night in our November episode. And yeah, this is where it gets exciting for me. Our December episode will be covering Rosemary's Killer, a.k.a. The Prowler, and uh, Profondo Rosso, a.k.a. Deep Red.
4: Oh nice. It's been a while since I've seen that yeah,
2: one. Yeah, we saw a bit of Deep Red and a little bit of the Prowler coming in December. Uh with the the demons and um uh prom night uh, coming up And So that's November.
4: The demons not to be confused with demons. Not to be
2: confused with demons. I'm gonna do the research right now because I, I always I, I feel like I I gear these things up and then our listeners are all over it like going Duncan clearly doesn't have a fucking clue what he's on about Um <laughs> it's definitely not the movie that you think it is because that would have come after the nasty list uh, ah. so where are we The Demons come on you piece of shit um, or Les Demons uh, bet you it's a Franco movie <laughs> got,
4: oh man how great would that be it's
2: got fucking Franco written all over it um, and now that I've said that I can't find it it's I can't find the. Uh, there's a bit of million. Here we go. Uh, uh, AKA Liz Demons doesn't tell. It just tells me it was, uh, uh, you know, eventually released in two thousand and eight. Um, yeah, I can't find it. Uh, I, it might be a we'll Franco we'll movie. It could be. It couldn't be. Who knows? All I know is we're going to be covering it, and it's going to be fun. I mean, so. <laughs> um. Mark, you do a lot of interesting things we talk about it all the time um, in fact, sorry, I have found it, Mark <laughs> kiss what sweet it's Jess Franco <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, can we <laughs> gonna have some titties on the screen yeah <laughs> somebody's getting whipped <laughs> See if a whip comes out during it. Like, be prepared to be like, "Oh my giddy aunt!" Uh, Mark, he does some really cool things out there on the interwebs Where can people check them out? Uh, so follow me on Instagram.
4: That's Fancy underscore Mark. Yes. I, I've, I've been trying to do a bunch of the spooky toy photography here for October. Mm. So uh, yeah, yeah, go go over there. Uh, it's uh, Fancy Space Mark on the letterbox. Uh, that's where you can see all the weird shit that i'm watching for festival stuff hopefully a lot of which will be coming out on streaming shit here before too long because the faders are probably fucking toast uh i think that's uh, I think that's about it join, join the, the facebook group uh for doing the nasty uh, Posting there occasionally go follow and uh, subscribe to our friend tony over the video nasty project on youtube uh he's, he's uh just did something uh, that we had covered, and I can't remember what the hell it was now. Yeah, uh,
2: um, anyway. yeah, I can't. Just recently as well. Um, I actually meant to. Uh, I'm trying not to go through his, <laughs> trying to not go through his stuff before we record like certain episodes. Um, so yeah. I'm now watching kind of. I was going to say posthumously, but post recording these of reviews that he's done. So I don't know if he's reviewed either Parasite or the Erotic Rights of Frankenstein yet, but I will find out post this recording. Uh, I'll find out right. how how uh, how we marry up on opinions on this one. Um I know he, I, I have a, a a vague suspicion that we once chatted like very briefly online about Franco. So um and he seemed to know his shit so it would not surprise me if uh, he's been screaming blue faced into his device. Um gonna <laughs> mention the demons here. Which is the demons I was thinking about. What's the one that I mentioned earlier on, by the way, it's Woman Nuns. Right. Um so that one does have nuns. So it's the one that rips off oh, I'm sure beautiful. it rips off the devils. If memory serves I'm sure it rips off the devils. Um so yeah. And what threw me is the name that pops up on the list that I have created has its French name, which is Les Les Demons. So Uh, That's what was throwing me uh, Because I was like yeah that might not be the thing But yeah I'll have have nuns in in nudity So be Expecting dear listeners to me Well to be in a position where you hear Both me and Mark Sounding a bit hoarse and unable to sit correctly Because we have fapped ourselves (laughs) into oblivion
4: you're getting some perversion for Christmas this yeah. year, kids. Or is it Thanksgiving? Yeah, like, one of the two.
2: All I got for, for Christmas after this feud was calluses on my hands. Um, there they are. Nice. Uh, yeah, go and support Mark. Go and support Tony for sure. It'd be really cool to get him on one of these, one of these days. Um, yeah, may- I was thinking may- that. Maybe reach out and uh, and um, bring him over to, to the, the, the pod and uh, see if we can find a movie that we can all just sit there and go what the fuck were they thinking what the fuck were they thinking (laughs) Um, but until we we speak to you again which like I say will be in a couple of weeks time we'll be back on schedule back to the end of every month Um, yeah take care of yourselves out there it's a crazy crazy fucking world and it's only going to get crazier before it gets saner Um, yeah we will speak to you all in a very short time take care and bye They were called nasties and they were nasty.
1: Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These
2: films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well.
3: An extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it.
1: I have never seen the video, Mr. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know. Is it not fair?